Welcome in, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Getting right to the war in Ukraine that is escalating. Talking with Virginia, she is a former advisor to members of the Ukrainian parliament, specializing in several areas, including European affairs. She currently lives in Canada. She left Canada to go back to Ukraine just days, less than a week before the war began. Now she is uh, struggling to find uh, safety and, and stay alive like everyone else over there. Basically, uh, we were trying to do the interview last night. We were texting. She could not do it because there was an air raid siren. And so she went into a bomb shelter. So we had a chance to talk. Here's the latest on that. We're on the line here uh, with Virginia. You are in Ukraine. You just uh, went back to your country days before this all started, right? Days before this war started. Five, um, five, five days to be exact. My gosh. Yeah, five days you'll never forget. I'm sure you'll never forget, obviously, any any of this. Um, where are you right now? Just kind of tell me, get, paint the picture. I know last night we were texting and you had to take shelter, right? There was an air raid. What happened then and what's happening right now? So like you, like you mentioned, I came from Canada. I arrived from Canada in Kyiv uh, five days before the war started. And the first blasts, the first, first explosions of the cruise missiles, I've heard them in the downtown of, of um, uh, Kyiv. Um, I spent two um, nights uh, of the war in Kyiv. And uh, after that, I decided to uh, get going um, a little bit west uh, from, from, my, um, from my town. It was a difficult decision, but uh, I think that was the, the optimal decision at, at that uh, point. Uh, these days I'm in Western Ukraine. Um, uh, there were explosions uh, all over Ukraine and including some Western cities, which we considered uh, at the very beginning to be more or less safe. But these days there are no safe places anymore. Uh, air raid sirens go off um, everywhere. So this is what happened last night when we tried to, uh, uh, to have this interview. And uh, so the air raid siren uh, uh, sounded and I needed to go to the shelter. And obviously those shelters are either half underground or completely underground and the, the signal is there is uh, there is usually either non-existent or pretty weak um, nothing has happened there were no blasts no no missiles in that area but uh, we do take um, the every air raid siren seriously as much as we can uh, because virtually like i said no place is safe and uh, we are in the zone of uh, reach of a missile and we also know that not only military facilities are targeted quite often uh, by mistake or uh, on purpose uh, civilian um, uh, um, civilian uh, uh, districts uh, are targeted too so these days we take them seriously and in general it's the ninth day of the war and we are learning to fight better we are learning to defend ourselves better and we are not going to surrender you you went back um 
Yeah, because you, you saw the tensions that were um, taking place. Did did you think it was a matter of like that it really would be a matter of days? It obviously turned out to be, you know, like you said, five days uh, from the time you got there to this all happened. Did I mean, w- when you first got on the ground, like what were you feeling in terms of tensions when you first got there? Well, uh, you know, being in Canada, I and uh, understanding political um, um developments and following political developments pretty closely, I knew about the warnings of the US high officials, of the warnings US um, intelligence community uh, that were made public uh, to Ukrainians and to the entire world about the possible imminent or, um, well, at, at certain points it was not imminent, but highly possible uh, invasion. Um, so. It was pretty alarming to me. On the other hand, um, exactly for this reason, I felt I needed to be with uh, my country. The thing is that um, I moved to Canada two years ago. Before that, I was really active in the political field in Ukraine. I took part in two revolutions, pro-European revolutions in Ukraine, uh, the Orange Revolution of 2004, and the European Maidan or Euro uh, Maidan, a revolution of 2013-14. Uh, Later on, I worked really intensely in the field of European integration of Ukraine as an uh, assistant to a member of parliament of Ukraine as, and also as an international secretary to a major pro, most pro-European party. Uh, European solidarity. Um, uh, so um, it, all the developments, everything related to the, the, the fate of Ukraine was dear to my heart. It was uh, my genuine interest. And because I was worried about the tensions, I wanted to be in my country. I, I wanted to be close to my friends and former colleagues. And that's that's why I went uh, there in the middle of uh, in the middle of tensions, and I arrived five days before the war erupted. So, be and being someone who has a, uh, the ear of folks in government, you you've been in government yourself too. Um, what do you make of of how the Ukrainian government's responding? How international? Uh, governments in the area are are responding to this. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts from a, a just a general policy standpoint? We are in the middle of the uh, uh, of the military, a difficult military operation. Ukraine has been defending itself for nine days. Uh, right now, I just do not feel I'm in a position to analyze. Um, policies. I can only uh, analyze, uh, and probably I should be in a position to analyze uh, um, the facts of the recent days, which are that uh, Ukrainian high level authorities, they are dealing pretty well with what is going on. Uh, the president is in the country, the president is in, in Kyiv. Ukrainian army is doing a tremendously important and just outstanding job uh, uh, fighting against uh, an enemy, which is considered to be one of the strongest armies in the world. And I think this is, these are the most important 
facts and the most important developments. I do have some observations, but um, we will analyze uh, other facts, also important facts. We will analyze them later. Right now, we are focused on the unity of the nation with the army, with the state's authorities, and uh, with the society so that we can all together stand against this beast, this uh, uh, absolutely uh, a, a neighbor that gone absolutely crazy. And uh, uh, we have to survive and we have to prevail in this madness and in this in this it's not it's not only war it's it's really madness with all the atrocities and all the uh, uh crossing of the red lines we have to prevail that's our focus right now understood and what do you make of the national unity um people who have never you know it's just it's been amazing to see and you know we've talked to folks uh, we actually talked to a gentleman who was first time at 57 years old first time basically join the army, you know, he's fighting uh, for Ukraine's freedom. There's so many cases like this where people have never taken up arms before and, and this is happening. What, what do you make of, of that? And, and just, you know, what does it mean amongst your, your fellow uh, country people, country folk? Well, you know what, when I, I think, I think even people who maybe had any kind of doubts about Russia or any kind of illusions, they, most of them, they lost them with the first explosions of the missiles. Because even if they say in Russia that uh, uh, Ukraine, it's a special forces, a special operation, that uh, Ukrainians are, are, are sh um, bombing themselves, we in Ukraine, we know this is not true. Uh, we've been, we, we, we are a, a peaceful country. Our president is a former comedian. Why would he order uh, uh, Ukrainian army to bomb and, and uh, attack itself? What for? And I mean, we were already, it's, it's, you know, for us Ukrainians, the war did not just start on the 24th of February. The war was going on starting from uh, uh, the year 2014 when the Russians attacked, um, uh, annexed Crimea and uh, uh, occupied and annexed, illegally annexed Crimea. And they also attacked and occupied uh, the eastern territories of a sovereign state, the Donbas and Lugansk. Um, uh, uh, regions, uh, parts of the Donbass and Luhansk regions. So to be honest, most of us or many of us uh, uh, knew and expected that Russia will not, uh, that those territories in the east and the Crimean Peninsula will not, uh, would not suffice. We expected that the day, a day will come and they will try to move further the only thing is that probably not too many of us expected, but also not only Ukrainians, I guess the entire world was taken aback uh, by, uh, by what started to happen. We were, we were just terrified and 
absolutely uh, uh, not ready that the aggressor would take the hostilities to such a scale which is obviously insane for the rest of the world, absolutely insane. But like I said, in general, we knew that the that Russia is an enemy. We knew that this enemy just hates us. And we knew that a day will come and they will attack us even more than before. And now in this moment, it's just, it's gotta be, I mean, it's, it's the sum of all of every fear. Uh, I, I'm reading now, I mean, there's, you know, 1 million uh, refugees right now fleeing either Poland or Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, um, other European countries. What do you make of, of the, the humanitarian crisis, the refugee crisis at this point? Um, you know, how can other countries, in your view, step up? I mean, what needs to, and, and how can the world step up to help those fleeing this danger? You know what? Help us save our country. And then no Europe, no other countries of the world will see our refugees. Give us weapons, help us shelter our sky, help us close our sky, help us defeat this crazy beast, because without defeating this country, without defeating this crazy leader, we will never, the rest of the world will never have any kind of peace anymore. There's no way back from what has happened starting from the day uh, from the February 24. Just help us survive, help us fight and help us win. And then we can take care of our own people ourselves. Right now, uh, there are enough or, uh, organizations, there are enough countries that are dealing with uh with the the refugees from ukraine from the affected areas and i guess it's right so that ukrainians so especially with so many kids they had to flee they had to leave but there are a lot of ukrainians many millions ukrainians who are still in the country and they're determined to fight and to win the country back and to get rid of this beast and and um, prevail uh, uh, against the evil, you see. And like I said, for that we need more, more uh, decisive political uh, uh, solutions. We need more sanctions to isolate Russia even more. We need weapons especially anti-tank and uh, uh, anti-aircraft um, weapons, because they show their special uh, uh, effectiveness. And we need also financial support. That's how we can not only uh, sustain, we can also, I'm sure of that, I believe in that, we will win, one day we will win this war. Yeah, and we are hoping that day comes very, very soon. Um, I know it's about 9.30 where you are uh, right now. Um, what's, you know, it, it, I guess you try to get sleep whenever you can, I imagine, but there's always that edge, right? There's always that that fear of another air raid siren, that sort of thing. 
Um, my the only question, one thing I did want to ask you, uh, last question I had for all of the the Russian citizens who are opposing uh, Putin, who have spoken out against their government. What are your thoughts on on them, on the Russians who have just pledged solidarity with Ukraine and, and they they want an end to this? They want the aggression to stop uh, uh, from Putin as well. What what are your thoughts there? I feel for those people because I know obviously they uh, uh, will have to deal with their regime. On the other hand, I think it's a huge mistake uh, of many global leaders of, uh, of uh, democracies all around the globe that think, a thing like that uh, was allowed to, to or, or a possibility like that was allowed to happen. The thing is that Ukrainians felt this, this fear, Ukrainians anticipated this events earlier. And uh, um, of course, again, like I said, maybe not to that extent, but we did know that Russia is absolutely crazy about having Ukraine back and having Ukraine under its control. And uh, civil society, different political actors, they warned the rest of the world for many, many years that uh, Russia is uh, uh, a rogue country. Russia is evil. So I, I truly believe that this was a miscalculation of too many governments that uh, developments like that uh, uh, could happen. So what is important uh, to, to analyze the, the, the mistake and to make it right. I cannot give you a receipt how to do it, but it has to be, it, a solution has to be fine, found because there's no way back. We are, I, I, I believe that we are in the middle, well, maybe not the middle, but we are already in the third World War III and if Ukraine falls, there will be no quiet and no peace for other countries. And honestly, Ukrainians, if we some of the, some of us survive, we will consider that the rest of the world was in uh, either silently watching or in coalition with the with this beast that came to just destroy us. So this is the last stand. Ukraine is the last yeah. stand. It is. And just, just another important fact, uh, the terror, including the nuclear terror that the Russia and the Russian crazy president turns to, like you probably, uh, I, I believe the many people in North America were following the fire on the nuclear power plant in central Ukraine last night, um, which was the night in Ukraine, but it was still the, the evening in, in the North America. So many people were watching it live and it was horrifying because the terrible. power plant Absolutely in, terrible. Ener in Enerhodar, it's uh, a power plant which is twice as powerful as Chernobyl. And uh, they were shooting it. 
some of the some of the facilities there were on fire, and I mean, this is a terror, and this is a real threat of a nuclear explosion that was that could uh, uh, destroy not just Ukraine or parts of Ukraine. It could be dis disastrous for the rest of the Europe. I, I'm not even speaking in Russia, but probably the Russian president does not even count his own population anymore. He is in a bunker somewhere, uh, uh, central Russia or whoever knows he's, he's hiding. But seeing how he sends his own soldiers to die in Ukraine in like, Obviously, it's uh, Ukrainian army fights really well, and and the so many Rus Russian soldiers were killed already. They do not count them. They do not repatriate their bodies, and it see and it seems that also Russian president does not even have mercy to his own population, which will suffer from economic sanctions very soon. Ha has already started, and and also the population which could suffer as well if a nuclear, uh, if an explosion on a nuclear power plant would happen in the in the central Ukraine. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, I was watching that last night. It was absolutely, absolutely terrifying. Um, my gosh. Uh, Virginia, is there anything else you'd like to add? I mean, anything else? That we didn't cover. I know there's, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but I, I want to make sure you have a chance to get the rest you need because, you know, everybody needs probably as much rest as you can get over there, you know, as you try to, you know, uh, stay one step ahead of things or several steps ahead of things, really. You know, the first uh, four, I guess now five, five days of the war, I had almost no sleep. I was either on the go or uh, I was, I was spending my nights in bomb shelters. Um, or um, when we are too exhausted, then we, uh, then we do not take it to bomb shelters. We just uh, 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 get some blankets on the floor uh, in a hallway somewhere to, to next to a, a wall that is considered to be more or less safe, far away from, from windows. And this is how we uh, spend our nights uh, quite often. Um, so first four or five days were like completely sleepless and the rest of the days I, I was able to concentrate a bit more on our tasks and my, ta my, my focus is these days to, to reach out to, to world media, to reach out to, to partners in Europe and uh, in, in other countries in order to tell, to share firsthand information. So, um, yeah, we've been busy. We've been busy fighting for this country. Um, and as a final message, I will only add, uh, I would only stress what I've said already. Ukrainians fight. Ukrainians are united all together. The authorities, uh, the army, uh, society, uh, uh, and we are not gonna surrender. They will, they can erase us from, from the surface of the, of the, from the map of the world, but they will not be able to conquer us and rule us. So while Ukrainians are fighting, please help us. 
with finances, with weapons, with decisive political steps all around the world. We have to stop this beast. If Ukraine falls, you will not have rest in other countries with this beast. Wow. Virginia, thank you so much for your time. We wish you, uh, you know, uh, best wishes for safety and, and just we're praying for your, your well-being and everyone over there. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you.